0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tau Foundation.
2: Faith here with your welcome toast. It was Paul Fornell who said, the artichoke is a vegetable for solitude. Difficult to eat when you're sitting across from someone, divine when you're alone. Off of my city, off of my home, we're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body, when it drops... It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're in our culinary studios at the Big G Gateway Community College, downtown New Haven. Five professional kitchens, part of their culinary program and part of our lives now. It's really quite amazing. We're going to be doing live shows from Cafe Vincenzo here. We've done one to test it out, and we're ready to go. So I'm with my food buddies, Chris Prosperi, Mark Raymond... And Alex Province, these are our senior contributors, senior producer Robin Doian Aiken is here. Hey, everybody! Hey. hey, hi! All right, I want to tell you what happened. We were brainstorming with a couple people who own Nature's Grocer in Bloomfield and Vernon, Connecticut, about donuts and things. And we, at the same time, we had the guy from Real McCoy Rum. On the show Great which combination is Phenomenal And <laughs> that rum. got us thinking What would happen If we made a donut That had this real McCoy rum And maybe some caramel And so we did this sort of Brainstorming thing Well, just now In <laughs> walked a box
3: Holy moly <laughs> Yeah
2: This is so
0: good Oh my god I can tell you right now This is probably the best donut In the Hartford area oh. It is no so budget. delicious
2: Aww. Yeah,
0: it's gooey with caramel sauce, so and it's rum. such an
2: honor. It, it's, they've named it the Faith Donut, but that's not the thing. The thing is that it's boozy rum caramel oh with walnuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. the now,
3: caramel sauce is so good. <clears throat>
2: Honestly, you guys are killing me. Yeah. I know. Sorry, <laughs> I know. Alex is um, on satellite right now, so Kelly and David just walked in with a box of these. Heaven! Uh, surprise! And we wow. tasted them, and they really is a knockout. Do you, Best do you, surprise do you do ever. A better donut, and they're gluten oh free. And Everything gluten in there. <laughs> You, if I
3: tasted them, I, you know, yeah. blind, I would have never guessed they were gluten-free. I know. They yes. make good gluten So, so the, the texture is wrong. delicious. The it's, perfect adult donut.
0: Yeah.
2: And she said it's really great if you have a little vanilla ice cream uh. with it. And oh I can God. see that. Oh.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah yes, why so not? This, this is a dessert donut. This yeah, is not no. breakfast food. It's a dessert. <laughs> I don't know. I could have that for breakfast. I, no. Well, you I just know. did. <laughs> I, <laughs> before I think you, it's,
2: before before it's an anytime donut. He ate one. <laughs> like in a it second. Where did it go? <laughs> if we could, in that I Star Trek way- transport this to you we would Alex well, maybe but when you when one. you're back in the studio we'll do one okay <laughs> Alex tell me about we're on this sort of dessert subject Matt does this incredible fast brownie thing tell me how this works for him yeah. how did, did he invent this
5: no so I think he's tweaked it so it's a pretty simple they're called Mexican brownies And it's your chance to kind of use Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker, but he says you have to use the chewy fudge kind. I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You follow the instructions on the box, but you just add a half a teaspoon of chipotle chili powder, which you get at the grocery store, and a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. And instead of making them in a uh, brownie pan, you do them in a muffin pan and you cook them for 22 to 26 minutes, Matt's very precise, and 350 degrees. So the muffin pan gives you all these chewy edges, so every bite
2: is like Mm. a corner. like a Mexican uh, hot
4: chocolate in brownie mm. form. Yeah, It's It's like a
2: Mexican brownie muffin.
5: You can actually pair it with cajeta, which is like a Mexican caramel, like a dulce de leche mark. Oh, yeah. Instead of using milk, they use goat milk, and it's the same kind of idea. yeah and then these two together, it's a really easy Mexican dessert if you're gonna do taco night, Get a box of brownie mix, add some cinnamon and chipotle chili powder, and there you go. And Good don't forget,
2: we like to do brownies in the waffle iron oh, yeah. because it gives oh. them lots of high and low crispy yeah. edges. It cooks faster, too. So, But this sounds so easy to do it in the muffin tins, and then, then everyone has the, one, and you pour the thing on top. Oh, Mexican yeah. caramel all in yeah. every hole. Love it. Yummy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So Justin Chappell is joining us in a little while, and he is the culinary director of Food & Wine both online and the magazine, and he has done a cookbook called Just Cook It, and it has been a long time since a book made me want to cook every single thing in it. This guy is something. He has great taste, and his job is to make things easy, easier than when they come in the door from a lot of fancy people, chefs and uh, celebrity, this, that, and the other thing. So that's what he does. And so he's got the home cook in mind. So we're going to talk with him in just a little while on the show. So stay with us for that. So Alex, have you learned anything new being uh, a time in the Southwest? You're in Phoenix, yeah. Arizona. Have you learned anything new about cooking Southwestern?
5: So we've been using the mesquite twigs that we get in the yard the same way in Connecticut. You would save your clippings from your fruit trees. Here we have mesquite trees. So I just go through the yard and collect them. It's a, just a really easy way when you're grilling outside this summer to add a lot of flavor and maybe cut back on salt just because the mesquite is so strong. We're using it for salmon, on chicken, and ribs. It's just fun. So, mm, really <laughs> yeah. fun. Nice. nice. If you use the chips at home, just wet the chips, put them in a little envelope made out of aluminum foil, poke some holes, and then throw them on the grill, and you get the same effect.
2: On a gas grill, too. Sure. Uh-huh. You know, the
5: other thing we've been doing is we've been making burritos and stuff. And instead of using white rice, we've been substituting brown rice and wild rice and uh, having a lot of fun using whole wheat tortillas. So trying to keep this stuff healthy, too.
2: Do you put meat in the burritos or you keep them? Yeah.
5: We made carnitas the other day called Lower Valley Carnitas. We found the best cookbook for Southwest food. What is it? It's called The Border Cookbook by Cheryl and Bill Jamison. No pictures in this cookbook, but it's a really wonderful way of deciphering the Southwest cuisine.
2: And do you go out to the market and say, what does this mean? What are they talking about here? No, seriously, that's what I would do. I would say, what's this crema? What do I do with it? That's fun.
5: Uh, So I'm doing the old Ina Garden thing. I'm just buying it all and then trying brands and trying to figure out what salsa verde is. And and you you can't pronounce it in Spanish. You have to give it like the salsa verde pronunciation (laughs) instead of like... Oh, una salsa verde. It's more like salsa verde.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. You're becoming a native. A local. Yeah. a local guy. Oh, Good. Oh, that's a
5: palo verde tree. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of fun.
2: All right. We have some wines to tell you about, and we've got a choice for you. We've got um, a wine at $20 from Spain, and we have a wine from Napa Valley at $25. Let's start with the $25 bottle. Thank you. Good, good. Okay. So this is called Yardstick. It's from Napa. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. At $25 a bottle. It's a little higher than our normal price point. It's a good bottle to bring over to somebody's house. Wonderful with a little chill on it if you're going to be having steaks or lamb on the grill. Mm. This is very good. It's delicious. It's um, actually quite affordable for a Napa wine. wine. It's got good
3: structure, too, right?
2: What are you tasting? A little? I
3: get a lot of that rich, dark berries Mm. like uh, blackberries and...
2: Currant and... Yes, a little drop of plum. Yeah. And that dryness on the sides of your mouth, that happens from the tannin in the wine and provides structure to the wine so that it stands up nicely to the food that you're having, usually protein, some kind of meat, especially grilled food. So everything Mm. gets better because of that good combination.
0: Uh, Four out of five yummies. Four out of five. Four
2: out of five.
3: Four okay. out of five yummies. So that's no yar- No sharp edges, too. Yeah. Really round. Yeah, that's why I like Kind it. of yeah. opulent so this would be for a young wine, right? Yeah.
0: Because it is a young wine. It's not very tannic, right? It's got nice structure, but it doesn't burn you on the sides of your mouth.
2: It, yeah, it doesn't no, hit you over the head yeah. with that tea bag yeah. thing. How's it pairing uh, with the donut? Oh. I bet you would be pretty good with the caramel. I'll tell you what. Yeah. It's really good mm-hmm. with this donut. And I'll tell you, it's great <laughs> with the lime period. <laughs> That I'm it's just great. If you could only see us. Okay. <laughs> so, so this
5: sounds like a Saturday night grill a steak and have a cab and a slab kind of, exactly. you know, a little special bottle. Yes, and-
2: exactly. And you know how we all in the summertime, we like our reds to go into the refrigerator for a little while, 20 minutes. Just just to chill them a little bit. Get get them a little bit chilled. Some reds Mm -hmm. I will chill fully Oh, and serve them just point blank cold. Mm -hmm. It's just right in the summertime and it makes the red wines appealing. Right, Alex? Yeah, there's real science to it. You know,
5: alcohol evaporates at like 120 degrees. So when it's Your bottle of wine's on the counter at 75 or 80 degrees, that alcohol is evaporating out. It really is changing the way the wine Mm -hmm. tastes and and smells. Mm -hmm. So, chilling it gets it back down to the way the winemaker made it because they're making it in a, you know, their wine cellar that's 55 degrees. It's cool in there, and that's how they're blending. So, if you take it out of that and put it in an 80 degree kitchen, it's not tasting the way they blended it.
2: Now, we come to the $20 bottle of wine. And this wine happens to be one of my all-time favorites on the show. I love wines from <laughs> Spain. And this is one that I guess we turned this into. I don't know. <laughs> this sold out. Like <laughs> Mark's kissing the bottle. This sold out about five billion times the first time we did it on the show. And here it is back again, a new vintage. It's called Museum. And it's the Reserva. Oh, yeah. And you know this wine. Alex,
5: Yeah, I love it
2: Okay, so this is a Tempranillo So in terms of wine, what, what are the characteristics of a Tempranillo? Yeah. If
5: you're a Pinot Noir drinker, you'll love Tempranillo they, yeah. They're similarly Agreed. profiled wines
3: Much more delicate than Cabernet, a little bit mm. more uh, mm. Mm. soft mm. But Tempranillos can be bold as well mm. And this is old Complex. vine Tempranillo Very, Yeah, and this is 60 to 80 year old vines so when you're talking about wines made from vineyards of that age the characteristics that they're grabbing is just so super this, intense.
2: This is a wine this museum that is juicy in your mouth. Mm. It has a little streak of elegance in there. Yeah. And it has, it's a little sporty because you can taste a, mm. just a whiff of bing in there. But it has this juicy, juicy quality in your mouth and going down mm. your throat. It is a wine that is spectacular with food. That's why I'm so madly in love with this. And it yeah. is also a wine that you can just sit and drink with nothing. It's so delicious. It's a special its manchego yeah.
5: cheese, maybe, that you can get at the grocery store. Sure. Some manchego cheese cheese slicing little triangles with some oh. olive and oil some good bread sitting around Goshi. sharing some
3: jamon and oh my Uh-oh. goodness yeah I mean,
5: that's a classic spanish afternoon yeah <laughs> you know cabernet we think of going really well with steak but rioja goes really well with steak too in, oh yeah in spain they would Agreed. do like entrecote, and then they would do like mm-hmm. a ribeye with uh Bonin, a salsa right? roquefort they just, at the very end, reduce some cream with some Roquefort cheese Ooh. and pour that on top. And uh, yeah. that with an old Rioja, that's as good as it gets. Mm. With some white asparagus and mayonnaise. Mm. Well,
3: We always talk about Argentina being known for Malbec. But one of the things I've seen on the scene down there in Mendoza, more and more growers are producing tempranillo and it's a lot for the local market down there but there's a lot of spanish influence down there and uh, the tempranillo they're making down there is being served with a lot of grilled foods
2: thank you for bringing this one in and this is on our site too the museum reserve foodschmooze.org highly highly recommend this to you for just about anything and everything whether it's sitting around drinking with friends or having this with all kinds of food grilled is, food especially but anything i adore it is it still this. in that
5: beautiful bottle yes yeah. oh yeah the, it has, it has, it like has a, a, a heavy silver bottle silver
2: plate as yeah. the label so it is a beautiful presentation coming into the house yeah I agree. that's one of
3: my favorite all time ones as well you do you have it love at the house love sharing it with everybody yeah. yeah yeah
2: that's why i'm coming home yeah <laughs> it's and affordable and you know, and really it's
3: affordable.
2: $20. Yeah, it's not 60
5: but No, it should be. If it came be. from anywhere else, yeah. it would be 40 or yeah. 60 or Agreed. whatever. Agreed. You know, Agreed. It's, Agreed. It's only 20 because it's from And you Spain, know something?
2: I would pay 40 yeah. That's how this yeah. drinks, this wine. So whether you're into the Napa, which we have on the mm-hmm. website, or into this...
0: Different wines for different times.
2: ...museum reserve, please go to the site, foodschmooze.org, and you will see everything you need to know about them, including what you need to say... At your wine store Call ahead Before you go They can't stock everything They'll have it Within 24 hours If you're calling At a reasonable hour So
3: Absolutely That's not a problem at all
2: This is really One to try Either one Very nice
5: So you guys did The cat first And then the Rioja second Yeah. Yeah
3: How did that work It showed up Really really well The Tempranillo Can hold up
4: you know, when I first met Faith, I told her that I was a white wine drinker, and I didn't have any experience really with red wines. And she said, "I know how to turn you on to red wines. If you're a little hesitant, you need to start with a Tempranillo. If you start with that wine, you will become a red wine lover in no time." And uh, she was right. I you know, did I did. I, did I didn't. Yeah. I yeah. That. yeah, really I said good that. starting point. Yeah. Wow.
5: So you yeah. you still love white wines too?
4: Of course I do. Yeah, And (laughs) rosé. Yeah, but I would, for some reason, red wines are slightly more intimidating to someone who doesn't know all that much about wine. Maybe it's because I eat a lot of fish, so I I gravitate toward whites because it goes so well with that. But um, Faith said if you're just jumping into these waters, you know, to put a toe in, Tempranillo is the one to try. That's your toe.
5: Friendly, (laughs) yeah. Very friendly. And speaking of fish, Tempranillo Riojas go really well with salmon just ah. like Pinot Noir does. They do. So that's how uh, yeah. that we do Faith does, on the grill. it. Faith does, chill out. You Great know,
2: this, this one that we're trying here, I have had with swordfish on the grill. Sure. And oh, it was yeah. fantastic. Well, swordfish you know, is
4: the steak of fish.
2: Yes, it really works. You know, it's a, that funny thing. I just, besides maybe, I mean... Maybe a red spaghetti sauce you could even get away with. I think that's the one thing I wouldn't do. No, I wouldn't.
5: Yeah,
2: no. Do you know the Germans do that with their wines often? Really? Yes, they have it with spaghetti sauce, and they and, and I don't mean something yeah. like a Chianti. They think that even their white wines are great with spaghetti sauce. Mm. Red sauce. <laughs> it's just unbelievable.
0: I'm okay with it. You I mean, are we're, to we're them with Well, you like what you with like. Donuts, right? I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up, we're going to have Justin Chappell, who is the culinary director at food and wine he's got a new cookbook out that i adore it's called just cook it chris just made something from the book and we just sat down and ate it and tried some of the wines we're just having a blast with you we're so glad to be with you more mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the faith middleton food schmooze i hope you will make a charitable contribution to feed the hungry we're online now at foodschmooze.org and we'll be right back
3: If I could bottle this
1: up, bottle, bottle.
4: with lots of tunes, paper moons, paper tunes to go. Fill the basket to the brim, wait until the lights are dim. Set the stage and let the music flow. We're having a party, a picnic party.
3: We're having a
2: I'm Faith Middleton. You can sign up for our free podcast of the show. It means a copy of the show. It arrives in your inbox every week, and then you can listen on your schedule whenever you want to. You can save them. You can go back and listen again. They're also posted. uh, The podcast is at our site whenever you want it, foochmoos.org. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province who's talking with us from Phoenix, and Mark Raymond, all senior contributors, and senior producer Robin doyen Aiken. I promised you we would get to this guy because I'm pretty madly in love with this cookbook and this guy, I have to say. Justin Chappell is culinary director at Food & Wine. His new cookbook, Just Cook It!, had me dying to make every recipe on these pages. And you know what? The recipes are designed to be home-cook friendly. That's what I love about them. Justin, in his job, he tests and develops recipes at Food & Wine in the test kitchen. I think of him as a kind of haiku man. You know, he he figured out the essentials of recipes so that restaurant dishes, chefy people coming in the door... All those recipes are pared down to their haiku essentials. And then I think Justin has great taste, taste I can really identify with, and that's what makes me want to cook everything. I'm talking about this, a gluten-free pepperoni breakfast pizza. Okay, a fingerling potato dish with 40 cloves of garlic. A chocolate pie that is covered edge-to-edge in salted roasted peanuts. I defy mm. you to bring that out and not have people go crazy. So, Justin, are you at Food & Wine right now?
1: I am. I am actually hanging out in an office here at Food & Wine.
2: Okay, so Great. welcome to the, that's the that's Food that's Party. It's <laughs> wonderful to have you. Just Cook It features 145 built-to-be-easy recipes, and the guy does have a thing about delicious in a way that I, I think I do too. Can we start with something? Chris Raspberry? I asked if he would make the classic meatloaf sandwiches that you do that have that jam. I can eat a meatloaf sandwich probably three times a day Mm -hmm. and all year long. I don't care what season it is. Mm. Chris, tell me how this came together. Yeah, It came together
0: so easy, and the title of the book really came through as I was making it, if that makes any sense, because following his instructions, it really is just, you can almost hear him, just cook it, stop reading too much.
4: I think there's an exclamation point (laughs) in the title too, you know. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and it is, it is just cook it. So you preheat the oven and then you you heat up a pan, you put in a a little bit of oil and some onions and garlic and a pinch of salt and pepper and you cook that. In a bowl, you do eggs eggs breadcrumb milk Worcestershire salt some salt and pepper Mm -hmm. cook the onions then you cool it a little bit you mix it in with the eggs and the breadcrumb then you throw in your meat meatloaf yeah it's meatloaf but it's like I don't know whenever I make meatloaf even in my restaurant sometimes I overthink it and I'm like oh what's it going to do and no you just do it it's the simplest recipe On Earth, and I did exactly like he said. You just throw it all together. I put it in a little bit of a loaf kind of shape, threw bacon over the top of it, threw it in the oven. Didn't think about it again until the timer went off. So
2: these were delicious. I had great meatloaf. (laughs) Okay, now the jam is the key to this sandwich, Mm -hmm. I think. And Chris brought in uh, fresh from the farm some arugula and so we put that on and then the jam
0: yeah the jam is another great recipe because I always do my jams on the stove but this one it's the same kind of recipe I've always done except you roast it in the oven So you take plum tomatoes that you've cored and chopped, brown sugar, a little bit of red wine vinegar, some salt and some chili pepper flakes, and you basically mix it all up, put it in a 9 by 13 pan, chuck it in the oven, and really every once in a while go in the oven, pull it out, just with a spoon, I just sort of sloshed it around in there, shook it up, threw it back in the oven until it got syrupy, and then you just mash it all up, throw it in a jar again, just cook it.
1: I'm so glad that you guys prepared this recipe because it's one of my favorites. It brings me back to my childhood. My grandma made meatloaf every week. And when I first started cooking, when I moved out on my own, meatloaf was one of the first things that I made. And my roommate at the time didn't eat red meat. And so I always had leftovers, and I learned to enjoy it better as a sandwich. And then, of course, as I learned more about cooking and over the years that I've been at Food & Wine, I experimented with making condiments at home. And so the fact that you love the tomato jam is just making me beam right now. I think one of the things that should be pointed out is that it's only five ingredients, and with five ingredients, you can have a condiment on hand that is not only delicious on a meatloaf sandwich, but it's great on a piece of toast. It's great with crackers or on a turkey sandwich. It's just such a fun, smart way of using up the, you know, the excess plum tomatoes that we're going to have this summer.
5: Justin, I have to ask, did your grandma ever make it just white bread, meatloaf, and yellow mustard? Oh my gosh, of course. We even ate it in hot dog buns.
2: (laughs) Yeah, That's awesome. That's a great (laughs) idea, actually. So I'm reading along, and I get to a picture of you, Justin, and You were slicing something, and I said, oh, he's married. You had a wedding band on in the thing. That got me thinking about how if you're a food person and you just love it and think about it and read, you know, cookbooks in bed and, you know, if you're like that, when you're dating somebody, their reaction to food is very important. How was that on your radar? Did you agree about food together in the beginning or did you have a good exchange about food and where you said oh I can go through my life with this person and we're going to just love food together?
1: Well you know that's that's an important thing that people need to consider because if you like to eat and you like to cook at home I mean that's something that your significant other definitely needs
3: to agree on.
1: My husband Jason and I when we first met the first person to cook was he actually made salmon at home and it was delicious, and I was like, okay, somebody else who likes to cook at home, I'm ready to go. And <laughs> and then as I was writing the book, he became you know my main critic. He, he has such a happy palate. He likes to really eat anything. And so if he really thought something wasn't right, I took it very seriously, and I went back to the drawing board, and I said, okay, he who eats everything, if he doesn't love it, then I'm going to redo it. And He's like a bull shark. Part. <laughs> exactly. I mean, license I plates, really, really, shovels, plastic, whatever, whatever. Yeah.
2: Recyclables. <laughs> um, yeah, everything. So here for our vegetarian friends, especially. And by the way, that meatloaf recipe with the jam is at our website, fuchmoose.org. And so is this roasted carrot and avocado panzanella. So that is a bread salad, right? Bread salad that you would normally have with tomatoes and onions and oil and vinegar, and the little bread cubes would soak up all the dressing, and it's just a Mm -hmm. fabulous thing. But with roasted carrots and avocado, this is a really smart idea. I can't wait to make this. So tell me how this came to be.
1: Roasting carrots and pairing it with avocado is, I wouldn't say it's kind of a new idea. There's some chefs out in the world, lots of them, Jamie Oliver being one of them, um, Mm Alex Stupak here in New York City. He's another one who loves to pair them together. I've always loved that combination. But the the way this recipe came together is one of my friends is an actor. His name is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. He's on the show called Modern Family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we love
2: him. He's so funny. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: And he actually has a food blog that he started with a friend of his named Julie. And, you know, they were kind of having a launch party. And so he asked if I wanted to come out to L.A. and go to the launch party. So I stayed with him for the weekend. And then he didn't tell me but we were actually going to a potluck brunch, and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, so what do I do? And so we went to the, the market, and I said to myself, okay, what can I make that will travel well, but that will be surprising and seasonal and, you know, make people say, wow. And I said, I'm going to do the carrot and avocado salad, because much like you, Faith, people hear the combination, and they're like, wow, that's wacky, but it really, really works. And I said, mm-hmm. to take it one step further, I'm going to do a riff on the panzanella, which is a classic bread salad. And so... I roasted the carrots with lots of fresh orange juice and lemon juice and coriander seeds and cumin seeds so that they got just tender enough, but they still had a little bite to them. And I tossed that together with some fresh avocado slices, some toasted sourdough bread, some watercress. And, you know, it just came together so nicely. And the reason it was so ideal for a potluck was because the bread, when it's toasted, And it starts to absorb the juices and the dressing. It stays a little crisp, but then it gets a little chewy. And by the time you get to a party or a brunch or whatever you're making it for, it's like the perfect texture. And it has absorbed all that really delicious flavor. This is a good picnic idea. That's a great picnic idea.
2: Yes, I love it. I can be very boring with vegetables and I realize I will eat more vegetables if I get more creative. And so this was inspiring to me. So I thank you for that one. Now I'm going to do something crazy. Normally we would save the desserts to the end because that's where they go. (laughs) But I can't resist this. I took one look at this picture and I thought, I am going to die. It's your chocolate peanut pie. So imagine a chocolate pie in a pie plate and every single... Space on the entire top covered with roasted salted peanuts. The (laughs) (laughs) whole, it is just. Oh my God! And it has a graham cracker crust. So, but if you're gluten free, you could swap that out for some gluten free thing like uh, ginger snaps. Gluten free ginger snaps, right?
1: Exactly, or you yeah. could do like a gluten-free pretzel crust, or
2: anything like that. Really, mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. salty. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's a great some idea. And peanuts. Oh my god, I love that. Okay, so yeah. so we're going to skip to dessert, and then we're going to go to some other things that I absolutely adore. This is on our website too, Fuchmues dot org, and you're going to want this. So it's a graham cracker crumbs, stick of butter, light brown sugar, salt, a little bit of well, okay, fair amount of heavy cream, <laughs> uh, semi-sweet <laughs> chocolate chips. And honey roasted peanuts, which makes it even better because you've got that salty sweet thing going on, which we love on this show. (sighs) Oh, my
1: gosh. I love honey. Honey roasted peanuts are one of my secret weapons in the kitchen. They have a ton of flavor. They're my favorite thing to snack on. And I love a chocolate pie no matter what. And what I think people don't realize, and I'm hoping that I inspire people when they see this recipe, is that making a chocolate pie is actually really, really simple. And the shortcut I use is rather than going through the process of making a chocolate custard, which can be a little finicky and a little time-consuming, I skip the nonsense and I actually go right for a chocolate ganache, which makes it really rich and really flavorful. And most importantly, it makes it really easy. You just heat up some heavy cream, you pour it over some chocolate chips, and you let it melt. And that's literally the whole entire filling. It's two-ingredient
2: filling. It Really? That is it. That's, that's it. the recipe. <laughs> oh. like so the hardest,
1: good. The hardest part of the recipe is actually making the graham cracker crust. But if you're a fan of the store-bought graham cracker crust that you can buy in the refrigerated section, use that. Go for the chocolate ganache, buy the honey roasted peanuts, and you literally have a four-ingredient, really decadent, beautiful dessert. It's one of my favorite recipes in the whole book, wow. I'm
2: so glad that you're featuring oh. it. Oh! I was thinking, oh. oh, why is it? I want this on the cover. <laughs> I want this across the whole back. I just I'd like, a poster of this in my house. And I'm still
5: trying to figure out, so the peanuts go on top, and it's it, the whole top is covered with peanuts, so do you just so pave good. them no, off? No, the whole How top, do you,
0: yeah
1: scatter them on top, and I just press them a little bit with my hands yeah, and make it stick to the ganache.
0: And then it hardens, right?
1: Ganache gets really thick. Yeah, um, not It doesn't get too thick, but it gets just thick enough, and then it kind of holds on to the peanuts. But, you know what? If some of the peanuts fall off when you cut it, it doesn't matter. Just pick them up and eat them.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> don't right. You, yeah.
2: Don't you think we have to dream up a word for ganache? I think the word ganache scares mm-hmm. uh, home cooks who aren't skilled with baking. I am one of them. I do the simplest desserts because I'm terrified of baking. I'm the first to admit it. Yeah. And ganache makes me think, uh-oh. Chocolate so, pie filling. Or, or chocolate pudding <laughs> pie. You know, I mean, right. what can we say? Melted chocolate filling.
1: Sometimes I like to call, I just tell people that it's like a chocolate cream because I use ganache in different forms. So you can't, for all the different things, you wouldn't really be able to call it ganache, but what I've done throughout the dessert. Section, I've kind of made versions of ganache in all different kinds of recipes. So, obviously, the filling on my chocolate peanut pie is a ganache. It's a true ganache. But then I've taken what a ganache is and I've transformed it into other things, like, for example, my DIY chocolate truffles, where I make a version of ganache using chocolate chips and sweetened condensed milk. But it's sort of the same technique. You're basically just melting the chocolate in a dairy. I also use it in um, my hot chocolate. It's kind of a version of ganache
4: mm-hmm. just
1: in a different texture. But then, of course, I have the simplest chocolate mousse, and oh, it yeah. is literally the easiest chocolate mousse you'll ever make in your life. And I made it because I accidentally made a ganache that was too thin.
0: Oh, and, nice. And what did you whip it?
5: <laughs> yeah, and then I whipped it. <laughs> and then it's mousse. <laughs> pour it into popsicle stick holder yep. things and throw them in the refrigerator oh, yeah, or that the freezer <laughs> exactly.
1: I was doing a cooking demonstration recently where I was making the mousse and showing people because mousse is something that people are afraid of much like ganache and I learned how to make it in culinary school and I still don't love to make it at home because it's all about maintaining the right temperature so one time when I was making it I put too much cream and not enough chocolate the ganache was too thin so what I did was I added a little bit more cream to thin it out even more and ultimately what I had was a chocolate heavy cream and so then I stirred in a little cocoa powder to make it extra chocolatey. Then I chilled the whole thing, and it was almost like a really thick chocolate milk.
5: And then So I'd I would have drank that, extra. probably. Well, <laughs> I
1: did drink some of it, just to be quite no.
2: honest. <laughs> <But I laughs> Could you not? Hamster, and <laughs> Jason, taste something. this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> try this. <laughs> this is good for you. Okay, um, so here is. Let me, you know, I just had a thought Let's take the show Justin, well, what if we took the show Into your test kitchen And we did the show from there Together, all of us together Doing stuff
1: Oh my gosh, that would be so funny We might get into trouble though
3: <laughs> Oh, that's good We're choice. not opposed to that
4: I know. There's <laughs> no we. might about it <laughs> We
2: like that <laughs> You might okay. just have to walk there So, walk so home. <laughs> let me just say that on the other side of this quick break we're going to take, I'm going to keep talking with Justin because this book, Just Cook It, it's on our website, all the information about it, some of the recipes are up there, including a the chocolate peanut pie. But there are other recipes in here that I'm just blown away by. And Justin has these tricks he does where he streamlines things, takes steps out, and makes it simple but preserves big flavor. So we're going to get to the lemony artichoke dip in just a minute, and I'll tell you what his hack is on this. But for right now, stay right where you are. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers to get the podcast free of the Food Shmooze Party every week to find all of our curated recommendations. Go to foodschmooze.org, and don't go away.
4: People thought the world was flat, then they learned that it was square, so they had to find
5: another way to roll. Seize the day and celebrate, eat and drink and marry thee, and savor every cherry in the bowl. Oh, we're having a party.
2: Is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, East End of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course? Senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts, our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. Our guest, of course, is Justin Chappell. Love, love, love his cookbook called Just Cook It, 145 built-to-be-easy recipes. He's director of the culinary program at Food & Wine, so he's the guy who makes things easy for us to understand, simplifies them, and yet preserves the integrity of the recipe, the stuff that makes you say, wow, I think he does. So here's this, Justin, lemony artichoke dip, and i stay away from cleaning artichokes because i just think oh, even mm-hmm. though i adore i could have them every day i just think oh, i don't have it in me to go through all this <laughs> and tell me what your hack is on this this was great
1: my hack believe it or not and hear me out is frozen artichoke i know a lot of people kind of look down on frozen vegetables i happen to think two of them are indispensable one is frozen peas i think we can all agree Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to use than buying fresh ones but the other one is artichokes and that's because they take the work out of using artichokes i know that all of us are food people and we i'm sure we've all attempted to clean artichokes.
5: i've paired one into nothing before where i just kept cutting and then (laughs) i ended up with nothing except for the the choke or whatever The fiber. <laughs>
1: that's, that's the that's, it's, it's so intimidating, and you start going, and then you're trying to make it thin, and you're trying to – I mean, I i worked in fine dining restaurants where I had to turn – we call it turning artichokes. And, yep. and I had to turn artichokes for hours, and it was just, like, so stressful because if you—if they didn't look right, then you, you kept whittling them down and then you end up with nothing.
0: A case of artichokes is this big thing, and when you're done, you get, like, this bowl. little bowl thing, and you're like, where did it all go?
1: Exactly. And so I discovered frozen artichokes, and I love them. I just defrost them, put them on a little paper towel to get the excess moisture off, and they have so much artichoke flavor. And so when I make artichoke dip at home, that's all I do now.
2: Well, oh, yeah. way do you hear this. So there's mayonnaise, lemon zest, uh, lemon juice, garlic, Tabasco, or Frank's hot sauce, the frozen artichoke hearts that you coarsely chop. They've been patted dry. Some shredded Monterey Jack cheese, fresh chives, Panko breadcrumbs A little bit of butter And then what you're serving this lemony artichoke dip with So this all just goes together, right?
1: Yep, with the exception of breadcrumbs which go on top But everything else just literally gets mixed together in a bowl That's all you do And then you put it in a baking dish Top it with the breadcrumbs And you just bake it till top. You don't have to worry about any of it being cooked through it's mind-blowing how quickly it comes together.
2: So, Mark, this is the kind of thing where, when people come over, we talk about this. You know, the putting out certain things. Right. And I thought, oh, I have to do this. This lemony artichoke dip. And then, you know what flew into my head, Justin? Is I thought, oh, when it comes out of the oven, I want to put it on pasta. Do you I'm think working. it could work? Oh yeah. A few, few <laughs> scoops of this on pas- hot pasta and just oh, my mix
1: gosh. it. Anything on pasta works.
3: <laughs>
2: right.
1: You can actually just take the mixture and toss it with cooked noodles and put that into a baking dish.
3: So it's like baked pasta.
5: Right. Just maybe undercook the pasta a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have basically uh, artichoke mac and cheese. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. You still have me on the frozen artichokes. I have to look for these now because I love artichokes. I just don't ever use them because they're a pain. I'm still not sure what part you're supposed to eat.
1: Well, you want to eat everything but the choke, that's for sure. The choke is a little furry part. Yeah, don't eat the furry part. And the (laughs) spine, obviously the little little needles, but you don't want to eat those. But the only time I really buy whole artichokes anymore is if I'm going to steam them and eat them whole. They're yeah, delicious yeah. that way, but they're also they they don't require any work because you yep. just steam them whole and then you you eat them. Eat the bottom of
0: Slide the leaf thing, you, yeah.
1: Yeah, scrape the leaves off in your teeth, and so, it's so delicious. But like if you're going to use them for cooking, it's so much work. Uh,
0: you
3: sold me frozen. So, so when you're buying them frozen, are they already peeled? Yeah, peeled. Yeah, back. they're already cleaned. So it's just the quarter.
1: hearts. Yeah, it's it, the heart with the leaf ends, which is the part that you can just eat fully.
5: Because yeah. I've seen them in cans before. So these oh, are yeah. getting better than... Not the, same, yeah, not the same. Yeah, not the same. I don't like candles.
1: Yeah, the, the ones in cans tend to be a little bit more cooked, and they're yeah. almost like brined. They
2: it's taste like tin.
1: I Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> have a little bit of metallic flavor. But what I will say, mm-hmm. I do love our marinated artichokes in the jar. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. Love
2: yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so I thought, oh, your dad is my kind of guy, because you have his recipe. It is a gluten-free pepperoni breakfast pizza.
1: It's actually a little bit of a play on words because growing up, my dad would make this and he always called it breakfast pizza. But as I got older and I went to culinary school and I started working for food and wine and I became more knowledgeable, I realized he was just making a frittata that was like jam-packed with (laughs) ingredients.
2: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. But I think the pepperoni crumble on the top is a really terrific idea.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah basically for the whole recipe I saute red potatoes I love I don't know why but red potatoes to me always feel like breakfast I mean right because that isn't that what home fries are usually made of yeah I saute that with just a little chopped pepperoni and when I spread it in the pan and then I add the eggs I kind of flatten it out and then I top it with mozzarella cheese and more pepperoni slices and then I bake that and it ends up looking exactly like pepperoni pizza except Sweet. it's a potato pepperoni and egg frittata and nice. I cut it, and it gets, oh, yeah. because it has so many potatoes in it you could still slice it into wedges and eat it like pizza
2: oh that oh, is yeah. just good and you know if you're you want to fancy it up or if you're someone who loves chorizo yeah, um, You could do that Ooh. instead of your pepperoni. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I thought, I- I'm going to make that you for can my so family. You have so much fun with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or,
1: or if you're out on the
2: Cape, you can do
1: linguiça. If you're, if yeah. You're
2: yeah.
3: Our, or Stonington, yeah. Connecticut. Look at you throwing in the Where? local.
2: Um, he loves the local, too. <laughs> can, I, can I do that? Yeah, so I, I just want to mention, I'm a, a fan of roasted potatoes, and I saw this fingerlings, you know, those little tiny potatoes, mm-hmm. and you slice them in half so that they get... Uh, caramelized on both sides with 40 cloves of garlic. Now, really, it's 20 cloves of garlic cut in half, but that's okay. <laughs> it's sort of is 40 cloves of garlic, and we're talking about some fresh thyme and rosemary, and the extra virgin olive oil, and the garlic cloves, and lemon slices, and into the pan it goes, and into the oven it goes. Any time of year, even in the summer, what a fabulous thing to bring out! Just plop Yum. that pan, she pan down on the table, so delicious, and start oh. so good. Okay, I've been waiting and waiting. This Thai skillet corn. Where in the world did this come from? This is so smart.
1: <laughs> so skillet corn is a thing in the South. Mm-hmm. It, it basically just means you take corn off the cob, you cut it off the cob, and you just saute it. And Traditionally, it would be done in a cast iron skillet because that's very Southern. And so I love to cook corn that way. I eat so much corn in the summer. We I do, too. Are, you know, sometimes I love to take it off the cob and just make a warm salad, which is what this skillet corn is. And... It's just a lot of corn, but with Thai flavor. So it's inspired by the flavors of some of the stuff that I eat when I order Thai food. Coconut and fresh lime juice and salty Asian fish sauce and a little bit of sugar. I bring all those things together and I saute the corn in a nice hot cast iron skillet. Then you get that really fun, sweet and sour flavor.
2: Uh It's
1: so perfect in this dish because you're getting that salty fish sauce, but then you're getting the little bit of sweetness from the sugar and corn.
0: It's just so good. And it's so simple. So Heavenly dish.
2: smart as an yeah. idea. We're like you are. We're totally into corn. Corn, 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 corn. I need when, a new one, though, every when year. The season starts. Yeah, <laughs> you, you start to think of, and I love to do the skillet with the caramelized corn, And but, you know, I'm looking for things to do.
1: This recipe serves four to six. If it's in my house, it serves two. <laughs> I'm but, thinking you know, if you took like cook, lettuce
5: leaves, make a little burrito, oh that would be or
1: tacos. So That's a good. good idea.
5: But yeah. also, so if you want
1: to bulk it up, though, is you can actually just stir in some, some shredded rotisserie chicken or some poached shrimp just sure. to heat it through, and you mm. have like this whole meal. And mm. even that, to your point, would be delicious in a lettuce wrap, maybe with a little sriracha on top. Yum!
2: Yeah. It also could be healthy. one of those uh, summer rolls. Mm-hmm. With rice, oh, rice paper so or as a wrap, uh, they're really fun. You have to try that. Let me know. Ones. So burgers, we're all into burgers. We're not vegetarians on the show, though. We try and eat more vegetables in our meals and all that stuff. I'm interested in burgers that are. You know, not all beef. And you have a quinoa burger in here with an avocado mayo and pea shoots, if you're around someplace where you can get those. You could put in anything you want. But I love the uh, crispiness of this as a burger because that's what's missing in a lot of vegetarian burgers is that crunch, crispy mm. thing. The texture thing, yeah.
1: yeah. Oftentimes when you eat the black bean burgers, they're just a little too soft
2: and soggy. Yep. So this is quinoa eggs, breadcrumbs, parsley, shallots, touch of cornstarch. We're going to explain why. Garlic clove, olive oil. You put these on English muffins, you do, and you make an avocado mayo. There's a recipe in here for that. You can do some sliced cucumber or lettuce or arugula, whatever you've got around. So the cornstarch is what people will wonder about.
1: Right. So the cornstarch is actually just used as a binder here. You really just need it to kind of absorb some of the excess moisture that your cooked quinoa might have or the egg, and when all that comes together, it forms a really nice texture, and it's that texture that's going to keep these in a burger shape. So, And I don't think people should be too concerned with a little bit of cornstarch, because a little goes a long way and it's an ingredient that I use every now and then. It's really helpful in stuff like this.
2: We have, all of us, lots of gluten-free friends, and it is something that comes in so handy for things you have to fry, uh, if you want to get thickening sauces, if you want to get a, instead of flour, if you want to get a little bit of a a brown on something. We just love that. So Alex, you were smart enough to talk about putting that stuff into a lettuce leaf, and justin actually has a recipe in here for a quinoa pork larb so Mm -hmm. um this is like a larb is it's like a salad right and it's where's middle eastern or is it
1: it's a southeast salad it's in laos and northern thailand it's usually served warm and it's almost always made with pork but sometimes it's made Mm -hmm. with beef sometimes it's made with duck in america now a lot of times we use even turkey or chicken or whatever This is something I actually learned from chefs I work with. I happen to really adore the book I wrote. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) a lot of the reason I do is because I get to incorporate things that I've learned in all my years at Food & Wine and testing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recipes from big name chefs. And they teach me oftentimes everything from technique to how to be a little bit healthier. And this is one of those things that I learned from a chef friend of mine named Missy Robbins where Mm. she has a restaurant in Brooklyn. What she says sometimes is, She'll be making a dish that traditionally calls for a certain amount of meat, and she literally just substitutes half the meat for something healthier. And that's what I've done here is, so uh, for this salad, which is traditionally all ground meat, you take out half the ground meat, and I put in half quinoa, and it makes it just a little bit healthier so you can feel better about eating it. What I also realized was it actually adds like a really nice nutty flavor that quinoa does. And it made this really just fun, well-rounded dish
2: that mm. I'm really, really proud of. So we're talking about almost out of time, but uh, quinoa and just a half a pound of ground pork and fresh lime juice. Again, the Asian fish sauce is back. Minced shallots, sriracha. A little touch of sugar, garlic clove, a fresh cilantro is back again, fresh mint, so you can see that Thai profile, and this goes into a lettuce leaf. And you eat it with your fingers. It's it's a thing in the summertime, especially, that I just adore eating. I I just feel it tastes so delicious. On and on it goes. Uh, I wanted to be able to talk about the pineapple roasted pork shoulder, but we're almost out of time. Uh, Your gluten-free chocolate cherry peanut cookies and these speedy preserved lemons where you don't have to wait Weeks for this to you just simmer these lemons on the stove top for a little while and then put that simmer water on top of the lemons into a jar and they're done. The simmering does the same thing that weeks and weeks of waiting with salt does. It's just fantastic. Speedy preserved lemons, love it. Okay, so you can tell I really like this book. I think you know that. Oh yeah, that. yeah. that's the game on this show we just pick the things we like don't think we just praise everything these are carefully and I think well chosen so thank you Justin Chappell for doing this and yeah because you're great
1: oh my gosh I really
2: appreciate it you guys are great thank you Just Cook It is the name of the book We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.